welcome to the Tin Lounge. You've stumbled on one of our short episodes called The Mini Bar, where we discuss current events in the travel industry. I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. And I'm Corrine, creator of Travel Biz Boss and co-owner of Journey's Travel Company. We can't discuss all of the headlines, so stay with us until the end for excess baggage. I think we're all feeling it. It is mid-November. Thanksgiving is next week. And I don't know about you, but my year has felt like such a long year, but it has gone by so quickly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I was it's both. Yeah, it's both. And I feel like that is what I, that's the kind of time, that's the kind of, that's the way that I want to be living my life is for time to feel that way, to feel like it's been a long time, yet it's gone by so quickly. Because it means yeah. you're basically living it to its fullest. It's time is so insane to me. Like Tracy and I just got our first Christmas tree here for Mexico and this will be our fourth Christmas here. Like it's taken, (laughs) we'll be here three years, December 1st. So we were here for one Christmas right after we got here and it's taken us that long to even just like start to get some Christmas decorations. And, but it just feels like no time has passed. It's wild. Right. Absolutely wild. But you were just at the Signature Conference. How was that? It was so amazing seeing a lot of these advisors in real life and many of them for the first time ever. And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell you that at these conferences, it's so wonderful when advisors come up to me and they tell me how much they love our podcast. It makes me feel like so warm on the inside because, you know, we started this podcast not really knowing where it was going and to know what kind of an impact it's making on the industry and that people actually listen. Yeah. Always feels good to feel useful and helpful. Yeah. And I feel like it was a really great event and that I learned so many new things from the different sessions and Uh, We will have an article on this later on, and I'll touch on this, but just seeing the number of advisors there and the different suppliers from around the world, it was just really wonderful to be in that space. I haven't decided yet whether the FOMO was strong enough to get me there next year, but TBD. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) this episode is brought to you by Toby AI and Voyager websites. Visit voyagersocial.ai to take Toby for a walk. On top of all the things that we have to do as advisors, one of the things that I know is a pain in my side and your side and every advisor side who has had to do this is to chase commissions. And this article by Travel Age West talks about why we have to do that. Like, why is it that we work so hard for our money and we just don't get paid the way other people can just depend on a paycheck to be direct deposited into their accounts? Why are we having to chase commissions? One of our friends, uh, Heather Christopher, she is quoted in here. She, she, uh, Chelsea, the writer, writes, looking back at her many years in the industry, Christopher estimates that 60% of her earned commissions have come her way hassle-free, while the other 40% have required follow-up emails and phone calls. In practice, that can mean anywhere from 60 days to multiple months before a commission is delivered. In a recent conversation with Christopher, she said she spent about five hours per week reviewing and hunting down payments. 
that's 20 hours per month that she would much rather spend marketing or working with clients or doing anything yeah, else. I, like I'd rather do anything other than hunt down and chase commissions. I have a list right now that I've been procrastinating about because it's just so not fun to do and we shouldn't have to do it. Heather said, I really do get worked up about this because no one is talking about the fact that you spend so much time fighting for money you are owed. Realtors don't have to fight to be paid, nor do so many others, but we struggle as independent contractors in this industry. And why? There are thousands of new people coming into this work. And sometimes I think, who wants to come to the land of not being paid? And it's really interesting because, you know, we work with lots of different suppliers and tour operators. And then there's also the option of booking direct. And sometimes booking direct can seem like the simplest. I usually lean toward booking with a supplier or tour operator. Um, this is a factor. Number one, getting paid is much easier through a supplier or tour operator, but it's not the most important thing. To me, it's that um, the relationship that I have with the supplier. So regardless of my relationship with that particular property or you know, day tour operator or whatever, my supplier has some swagger with them. And because I do a lot of volume with that supplier, therefore I have a little bit of swagger. So for me, it's about that extra backup, but certainly a huge high point is also just not having to chase people down and send out multiple invoices and all this stuff just to get paid what we should automatically be paid. Right, right. Another advisor, Kara Slater, uh, she was similarly flustered by the lack of a dependable commission payment system or protocol in the industry. So years ago, she hired an assistant who works for her to this day, who chases her commissions, meaning Slater spends her own dollars on tracking down her income. That's mm -hmm. crazy that we have to do that. Like you have to spend money in order to get paid. Another advisor, Amna Ismail, now an affiliate for Travel, says she left her previous host agency partially because she was enticed by the commission support built into Fora's operations. So this was new to me when I first looked at this was this service from Fora. Mm -hmm. Quoted here with Fora, I just forward confirmation and details and we have our own back end customer relationship manager that shows us the progress of the booking and the commission status. There's a department just for commissions, so they do the following up. It's an awesome perk. Yeah, I feel like all host agencies struggle with this because they have thousands of advisors. So it must be tricky to track down commissions for that many advisors. But it's certainly, I can understand why that was an alluring reason for her to go with Fora because you might be spending, like time is money, so that's money. But, or like the last person who is, who is, spending, is spending money on an assistant, you know, having someone to just do that for you built into your agreement with them. That's huge. Yeah. And of course, Asta has also touched on this topic recently. They published a list of organizations that pay advisor commissions in a timely manner, which is currently defined as within 30 days of the published contracted date set by the supplier for final payment and the payment is made in full. Christopher says that she sees the list as an accountability tool Ideally, it encourages companies to alter their business protocols in order to better serve advisors, thereby getting them added to the list and as a way of rewarding those companies that already prioritize advisor business and commission payment. 
One more reason everyone should be an ASTA member because they're the only one out there advocating for us. I mean, I shouldn't say the only one. I know for sure that uh, the people at our host agency, TPI, are definitely out there making a lot of noise about this as well. But we need everybody to push. I don't know why these companies feel so comfortable blowing us off in this way. (laughs) Like, I mean, I remember... As, as cruises were picking back up, there were cruise lines that were like, look, your commission is not the top priority, which is like, are you nuts? Like, who do you think is help getting helping you get back up on your feet after all of this? But that for some reason, this um, attitude towards whether or not we deserve to get paid our money in a timely manner is pretty nuts. I agree with Heather that you don't see this in other industries. Not that I know of anyway. (laughs) Well, speaking of cruise lines, according to the list and other advisors, compared to other land providers, it seems like cruise lines rank well in terms of timely payment, but why and how? Kirby's guess is that it has to do with how vital advisors are to the cruise industry. So he says cruise lines are doing it really well. They are heavily reliant on advisors to book ships. So because advisors book upwards of 70% of cruises, timely commission payments may be an acknowledgement of the role advisors play in the cruise sector. Still, there isn't really a good reason for a commission from a non-cruise brand to be paid months later. Yeah. He says, generally speaking, but not always, hotels pay commission after someone checks out of a hotel room. So if they pay commission within 30 days of that, is is that the spirit of the stance we've taken? Right now, we've said no. We're hanging our hat on the prepayment idea. If you're requiring money up front and advisors are doing all the work up front, we should be paid too. Even if there's a risk of a traveler canceling a booking and then perhaps a commission needing to be recalled, it feels fair for suppliers and hoteliers to bear some of the risk alongside advisors. Amen. It may be messier, but it's also unreasonable for advisors to carry all the risk alone and to wait months for payment. He says, common law understanding is that commission is earned as soon as an advisor brings a willing customer to the supplier. I love that. And our lawyer, Peter Labasso, is all about that, too. Unfortunately, that understanding is moot in our contracts today. We may not ever get back to that beautiful gold standard, but I want us moving in that direction. Asta, asta, asta. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we know how to move forward to pressure companies that don't pay quickly to pay us on time. Yep. And our second article today is from Travel Market Report. It is called How a Talent Shortage is Threatening Agencies and Why Underqualified Advisors Aren't the Answer. So it says the travel agency segment of the industry is currently at a dangerous inflection point with more seasoned advisors closing in on retirement amidst the absence of a younger qualified population of new advisors not prepared to take the reins despite a growing consumer need for their services. I don't know about you all, but I'm definitely seeing a lot of people saying 2024 is the year of the travel advisor and it is certainly looking that way. Like Nikita said in our other episode, you know, social media has people primed to want to travel all the time. So it is absolutely booming. But like, even, you know, we've brought on several new advisors and trying to get them 
confident and prepared to handle this is really tricky. And the problem is, and from my point of view, that there's no barrier to entry. So we're just seeing people just join the industry, not under experienced advisors, you know, like we are very hands-on with our advisors in terms of getting them trained and being there side by side with them as they make those first bookings. And there's people just joining this industry with no mentorship, no help whatsoever on that one-on-one basis. They're reliant on just like webinars and Facebook groups. And some of the questions that we are, I, I mean, I've said this so many times over the year, but we are really at the peak of what I have seen questions that make me very frightened that we've got advisors out there who are in charge of this amount of people's money and they don't know anything. It's terrifying. So that could really backfire on us. We've got all of this demand right now. We have all of these people finally understanding the value of, a, of working with a travel advisor. But if we get a bunch of people out there ruining people's vacations or losing their money or, you know, it's going to affect the reputation of the entire industry. Thank you for, thank you for joining my TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in when I was reading this article um, before we started recording, it kind of made me think about the signature conference that I was just attending last week. And one thing that really stood out to me that was so refreshing was the number of younger advisors that I saw there. I would say Mm -hmm. a good half of the attendees were younger, you know, like a newer generation. Because I remember when I first started in in the industry and I, the very first conference I attended was the travel agent forum in 2017. And I was one of a handful of young advisors. And back then we could always find each other and just connect that way. Cause we were just, we you know, one of the few, but now I am, you know, I've gotten older of course, but like I am feeling so hopeful because I see the number of advisors in their twenties and early thirties trying to grow themselves and educate themselves to be good advisors. And you know, I think part of our responsibility too is to make sure that we do our part in mentoring the next generation yeah. of advisors. Whether yeah. that is, you know, you know, you have your you have your travel biz boss program that is really helpful. And I know other programs are out there that do educate new advisors. Like you, there's a program that you have that's like brand new to the industry. This is how you get started. Mm-hmm. And I feel like stuff like that is super important and host agencies need to recognize that as well. You know, you have someone new signing in, like, I feel like host agencies need to be more, uh, I don't know if stringent is the right word, but just be more firm on this is what you need to do before you can actually sign up with us. Like do this program and then come back and sign up with us. Something needs to happen where we make sure that, new advisors, and it's not just younger advisors, new advisors of any age, it could be a second career, that they are educated in how to be a good advisor and how to be responsible and ethical as they handle large amounts of money. I agree. And I I also agree. It's so exciting. I love seeing all the younger people that are joining the industry. I love soaking up all of the excitement, the ideas and the enthusiasm where I see the gap is in the mentorship. And I'm hoping 
And I agree with you. It's kind of all of our responsibilities to pitch in where we can to that whole rising tide lifts all ships. You know what I mean? Like, because if we don't, if we turn our backs on this sort of new generation that's coming in, then it's going to damage our overall reputation. So it is an exciting time. It is a scary time. I'm hoping to see more. I do see, I should say, I do see more and more programs to help newer advisors, but that we'll get back into this article and they're talking, there's some comments as well about that, that whole barrier to entry, like getting certified. And you know what? I'm going to admit, I have no certifications because when I was introduced to the industry, it was a kind of a call center situation. I had to learn everything on my own. By the time I even knew my options for certifications and all these different education programs, it would have been like backtracking. But do I encourage newer advisors to take that route? For sure, number one, so they can have a lot faster path to success than what I had just trying to figure out everything on my own. But my problem was, is I worked under someone who didn't want me to be aware of the industry as a whole or the opportunities available to me. So um, it's really important that we make sure that that all of these newer advisors understand all the programs that are out there, paid, free, you know, everything that they can take advantage of to help them get in a good place. I have like a basic training program that I put together for our team. And it is really the basic stuff like passport book versus passport card and how important it is, the accuracy of the names and everything and how important it is to offer insurance. Not, not enough to overwhelm them trying to learn the whole industry in a course, all, but the things that are going to protect them and our clients and our company as a whole, those sort of baseline things, we can walk them through the rest. But if they're out there just joining a large host agency or an MLM because they don't know any better, I know from personal experiences or from personal experience that it takes a lot to get through to these advisors to even teach them what they have available out there. They may not know anything. I get so upset when in the Facebook groups, people are pounding on ML, people who are part of an MLM, but that person doesn't know any better. They were told, this is how you can become a travel agent or travel advisor. This is how you can get into this business. They don't know any better. We have to make sure the information is out there. In the article, they said that one of the more common reasons of um, it's like the difficulty of weeding out the people who want to be luxury travel advisors because they think they'll get free travel. And we have seen yeah. this time and time again. And yes, we do get benefits when it comes to traveling, but that is not at the beginning of your career. That no, is when you have, to, you have made the connections, establish your, <laughs> yes, establish that you are able to sell and made connections and, you know, you've grown your business then you'll have those opportunities. But I feel like we do such a great job making this job <laughs> look so enticing, easy. easy. And, you know, our goal is to get people to travel, but at the same time, other people might see this and say, oh, wow, I really want that lifestyle. And I'm going to do what they do because, I will be able to do the same exact thing, not knowing that it's taken years and years and years for certain, for some advisors to really get to that point. So I feel like it is 
it's altering the perception of what it means to be a travel advisor. Yeah, I get pretty brutal with people when they reach out to me, you know, because they see that I'm constantly traveling and they want to get in. You know, I, I have some pretty crazy things that I'll say to them to scare it out of them. And then if they're still interested, then we can talk. But I even had a friend who I love dearly reach out to me. You know, some things are going off with my job. I need to make some extra money. I used to work in like customer service for a theme park and I had to be like, this is not a short-term extra money situation. This is a long game because not only aren't you going to have those travel opportunities right out of the gate, you are also not going to make any money right out of the gate. It takes, I told him like, it takes about three years to really start seeing like a full-time income unless you're really killing it, but definitely not as a side hustle. You're not going to see full-time income just, you know, a year in, you have to build your clientele, but I agree with you. We make it look easy. We make it look fun. But once you start explaining to someone like, well, you know, if you have people traveling, you can't just clock out at five and be like, I'm not available. And, you know, you've got kids and you've got a nine to five. Can you really be available in a pinch if your client is stuck at the airport, but you're at your nine to five? You know, there's just all these, you you all know, all the scenarios that you could list out to just scare the H-E double hockey sticks out of somebody. <laughs> Yeah, I and that. I feel like I feel like <laughs> the income and payment situation, and we just talked about chasing yep. commissions, right? So not only are you getting a delayed payment be- because of the way our industry is set up, it could be delayed further because you have to do extra work to chase your money down. And I feel like people, yeah, they do see it as like, oh, it's going to be a really fun side hustle and I'm going to make money really quickly. No, that's not how it works. If you want to make quick cash, quick money, go wait tables or something like make tips every single night. That's a faster way to make money than being a travel advisor, because you're going to have to wait that amount of time before you're actually going to get paid. But unfortunately, uh, how I got into the business and how I've seen other people do it is literally blowing smoke up people, you know, oh, you know, you can make this much. Sure, you can. Uh, If you work really hard for quite a while, most people don't have the gumption to actually get over that hump to get to that kind of income. You know what I mean? Like tell people what percentage of people make six figures in the travel industry, what percentage of travel advisors reach these numbers. But instead, they're just pointing out best case scenarios, which, frankly, if you own a host agency is just shooting your own self in the foot because then you're carrying around dead weight and having to answer for stories that you told, but. Um... Unless you can find really a really great way to mentor an advisor, because if your goal is to grow high producing advisors, there's gotta be some good education and mentorship happening because it is possible you know, and I think today it's more possible than it used to be in the past to make a really good income being an advisor. But there has to be a lot of intention. You can't just show up and book. There's got to be intentionality in planning out how you want to run your business, what you want to book. And generally has a great like profitability formula. Like there has to be good planning and strategizing that comes into making good money as an advisor. And it's not going to be an immediate thing. Yeah, it's not magic. 
And I will say this, going back to how I said, you know, I have the basic training course that isn't really about how to book. It's mainly about how to qualify and how to protect yourself. I don't believe that you can watch a course and come out of it knowing how to plan travel. So that's why I have the basic course, because I don't want someone to drown in all of the minutiae around what it takes to plan travel before they understand just those basic things. So I do believe that mentorship is the key. I believe that if you are newer, you need someone to be with you side by side, walking you through those first trips, step by step, all of the different processes, qualifying, choosing the right supplier, going through the actual booking process, making sure that you have everything accurate and you are advising the client properly, how you're collecting the payment, how to service the booking. Like a course is not really, it will teach you on the surface, but it is not the same as learning uh, like an apprenticeship style. I think that is the most effective way. And that's why Dawn and I like to bring people onto our team because we want to help people succeed. And we know that that's the way. I mean, I, I could send somebody to a larger host, but again, you know, as much support as there is, and there's tons and tons and tons of trainings and webinars, it's simply not the same as having an experienced advisor helping you learn as you go. And as situations arise, like one of our new people just had her first cancellation he booked and a week later found out his wife was pregnant. And so she immediately went from learning how to book this particular type of package to learning how to cancel it. And she was, she was like, thank God I'm with you. I, if I had tried to do this on my own, I wouldn't have known a thing to do. You know, you just need the mentorship is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Mentor, mentor, mentor. That's what you need. Yes. And one other thing this article uh, mentions is where advisors have been finding good advisors to hire uh, to their mm -hmm. team. So um, a couple of things I know we've heard of recruiting, uh, I guess recruiting platforms like Indeed and things like that. One of the advisors here, she says she's had some success using ZipRecruiter, but the most success that she she's had is to use her own network for new hires. So she'll go to her team yep. and she'll ask, do you know of anyone who is looking to get into the industry? And she has gained really great teammates from just using her team and their network. And that's another exactly advisor, how we did it. That's great. I mean, it's 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 great to have people on that other people that you know already know. So another advisor, uh, she's had a completely different experience. She's had the most success hiring veteran advisors. So advisors who might have had their own agency but want to scale down, but they still love being in the industry and they still want to continue working. They just don't want to have to deal with the day-to-day -day of being an agency owner. That's also another great place smart. to look for advisors. Yeah, that Dawn and I decided that if we were going to bring people on, we wanted to just sort of have a whole cohort of people at once rather than trying to train people one or two at a time. So we just put the word out. We also actually offered an incentive to our team if they knew anybody, like cash for, you know, after they hit a certain benchmark. And it, not everyone is somebody we knew well, but at least enough to understand whether their personality could be a fit for what we do, whether they were going to uh, dis display the same level of professionalism, whether they were the type of person who 
understands what it is to learn from a mentor, that makes it easier. And also we can be more frank in our discussions with them, which I can be overly frank. And like I said, I try to scare the heck out of people sometimes to get, you know, to talk them out of it. But I love the idea. I think that's so smart to look for advisors. And I heard someone else recently say they're trying to kind of align with some other advisors who are, she used the word sunsetting, um, <laughs> which I loved to, to see how it could be mutually beneficial. Super, super smart. And I know Jen, Jen Lee will bring up again. She has been big into encouraging connection of people, like people who are sunsetting to people who are ramping up to see how it can work between the two of them. Yeah, for sure. And the article ends by talking about the dangers of adding underqualified advisors to the industry. And we've touched on a lot of the dangers there. But one thing I wanted to emphasize here is that it says in the article, the industry currently has a desperate need for advisors. Um, but host agencies and ASTA and larger agency groups they have a responsibility to bring those who are either qualified or willing to be trained and get qualified into the industry. So I think we need to look at who is at the gate of these places and who is letting people in and what are the requirements for people to come in. I am not trying to be a gatekeeper by any means um, because the industry is an amazing place to be, but we do need people coming into the industry. And before they start, taking responsibility for people's money and more important than money, their time Yep, that they get the training they need. And I know as ICs, it is difficult to put requirements in place, but there has to be a way for you to set requirements before they're able to sign up and yes. start booking clients. So I'm not sure what, the right answer is to this, but at least we have a few ideas of what needs to be done to bring not just more advisors, but qualified advisors into the industry. Yeah. I think a couple things that we could keep in mind as advisors is, as we mentioned, being generous. You know, I know sometimes we see questions that seem so, so uneducated to us that it's, it makes us cringe. But if you have a moment to help just turn that person onto the right path, again, it is doing a favor to the entire industry. Just ignoring that that is going on may slingshot back at us. <laughs> and then also just really putting the pressure onto ASTA and these larger host agencies to be more thorough in the way that they're onboarding new advisors and the way that they're accepting new advisors uh, somebody in this article mentioned something like just paying a fee should not be enough to get you this kind of access to people's money and hard-earned free time, you know? Right, exactly. So we just need to keep talking about this and, and pressuring everyone in the industry to step up and make sure that we stay on this amazing path that we are on right now. Ready for excess baggage? Oh, yeah. All right. It's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory. So you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Market Report, TSA expects record-setting crowds at airports this Thanksgiving week. According to the TSA, the whole period from the Friar, Friar, 
the Friday prior to Thanksgiving, which is typically the kickoff of Thanksgiving travel week, through the Sunday afterward, is expected to be busy. The TSA said it expects to screen 30 million passengers over that 12-day period. Go out and check another one. Go and check out another one from them called the Best Black Friday and Cyber Monday Travel Deals for 2023 at the link in our show notes. It is a pretty comprehensive list you can use to prepare for the onslaught. Travel Weekly reports that Brightline will begin paying advisors commission. They also report that Uniworld is expanding its itineraries that combine river cruises with train travel. The line is pulling together a major expansion of its offerings across Europe via a continued partnership with Europe rail operator Golden Eagle Danube Express. Its goal is to integrate new destinations into the Uniworld experience. An article from Travel Pulse says that Disney World is contemplating banning third-party tour guides. These guides are private and separate from Disney. They hire themselves out as an accompaniment to people who have trouble getting through the park. Quite often, they are used for people who are disabled, who are shuttled to the front of the line for rides and attractions so they don't have to wait too long. That includes their entire party. Disney World is cracking down after the practice has been abused by guides. According to Travel Agent Central, a volcanic eruption in Iceland is likely, but flight disruptions are unlikely. On that note, they also report that Blue Lagoon in Iceland announced it has proactively chosen to temporarily suspend operations for one week, running through 7 a.m. on November 16th. This affects all of its operations, including Blue Lagoon, Silica Hotel, Retreat Spa, Spa, Retreat Hotel, and Lava and Moss Restaurants. And our high note today is from afar. The State Department says you can now get your U.S. passport faster. For the second time in two months, the processing times have come down again, bringing them almost back to the pre-pandemic norms of six to eight weeks. And that's it for excess baggage. And by the way, if you notice me rambling a little today, it's because Teresa is feeling a little under the weather and keeps muting and coughing. And I keep feeling like, oh, yeah, oh my just, God, you're calling I'm just me like out. making up more things to say. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sure they can hear in my voice. I mean, Vegas is doing, it did me no favors. Okay. I'm just trying to recover, but thank you I for just add, I just added a few extra sentences here and there to try to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I appreciate you filling in the gaps, Corrine. <laughs> just a reminder that all the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. Please remember that we didn't write the news. We're just sharing it. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. Have any questions, comments, or just want to say hello? Please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at thetinlounge.com. We'll see you all next week. Bye.